Hi. Good evening. So great to see everybody. And uh, so grateful for the opportunity to bring the word tonight. And so let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence to worship as your church. And we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us, that we would be overwhelmed by your presence, God, that our hearts and our minds would be attentive to the things that you want to accomplish here tonight, God, because you have a work to do in each of us, and you desire to perform that work. And we pray, God, that you would prepare us to be open to the work that you want to do, that we would be led by your Spirit, that we would be transformed by your mercy to live what we say we believe by the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be preaching through the whole Bible tonight, beginning with Genesis. I would actually love to do that. For any of you who know me, you know that I would actually love to do that, but I probably have about 25 minutes, and depending upon the meeting, brevity could be next to godliness. So, here we go. How many people know that God created the world? He is the creator of heaven and earth. And God created man in the earth as image bearers. We were to represent God. We were to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And the way that we were going to do that was to do what it was that he created us for. Are you with me so far? God created us for his purposes. Isn't that right? He didn't create us to be autonomous, isolated individuals. He didn't manufacture us so that we could live according to the dictates of our own desire. He created us for his purposes. And we all know the story of Adam and Eve. They blew it in the garden, right? How many people know that if you were in the garden, you would have blown it too? Amen? They get a bad rap, that Adam and Eve. But I would have found myself just as guilty. I need to recognize that and take responsibility for my own wickedness and not try to ascribe it to my first parents or my last parents. I have to take responsibility for my own sin. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29, Solomon says this, Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. Haven't we? You know, sometimes the Bible speaks about the unbelieving people who are perverse and wicked and ugly and disgusting, etc., etc., and so on. And yet... I realize that in myself, I have been ugly and disgusting and perverse, etc., etc., and so on. 
that every single one of us is a sinner from the least to the greatest. Sin is the great equalizer. We all find ourselves in need of the mercy of God. Why? Because we've rejected God. All of us, it says in Isaiah 53, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and yet the Lord laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Romans chapter 1 in the 18th verse says this, For the wrath of God, that doesn't sound good, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. How many people know that the truth is not always convenient to our sinful desire? The truth is convenient if we want to be blessed according to the will of God. But if we have a temptation to transgress the law of God in order to find satisfaction, fulfillment, and comfort through our own devices, then the truth can be rather inconvenient. And so what does humanity do? Suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. And he goes on to say this. That which is known about God is evident within them. Within whom? Within all of us. Who can suppress the truth in unrighteousness. How is it evident? Well, it says that God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they, all of us, are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations their way of thinking, their ponderings, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, it says, they became fools. So we're created for God, but sometimes God is inconvenient to the choices that we want to make as sinners. And so we can suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And although God makes himself plain to us, we don't want to acknowledge God in those moments, oftentimes. And in a lifestyle of ingratitude, we reject the will of God and engage the creation rather than the creator. It's called idolatry. And we are all sufferers in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, some people tell this grand story when they get up and they give a testimony. And they say, I was the worst idolater on the face of the earth, which is actually pride. <laughs> right? They're taking pride in how wretched they were. You couldn't have been more wretched than me. And then I had this encounter with the living God. And I never sinned again. And look at me now. Right? Right? I got... I got a Bible cover to match my tie. You know what I'm saying? And I'm holy. How many people know that it doesn't work like that? It doesn't work like that. 
You see, the Bible says that those who sin are slaves of sin. Are you with me? So I volunteered for slavery by rejecting the will of God and following my own sinful ambitions. I constructed the dungeon that held me captive. And although the dungeon was manufactured as the result of my own sinful choices, just because I made that dungeon, just because it was constructed by me, that didn't mean that I could knock it down or get myself out of it. Are you with me? You see, no human power could release me from that dungeon, from the slavery in which I found myself as a sinner. Only the Savior could do that. Are you with me? I didn't have the key to that dungeon. Jesus has the key. And what's the key? The key is the Holy Spirit. And that, that key becomes available as I place my faith in Jesus Christ and I am regenerated, made new, born again, a new creature. And the Bible says that God takes the needy out of the ash heap and he sets him at a table with princes, with the princes of his people. And that's what God wants to do for everyone, all sinners that find themselves enslaved. But we have to trust the Savior who has the key to lead us out of the dungeon. But here's the truth. Some of us like our dungeon. It smells and it's dirty and it's kind of gross, but it's very familiar. And we see the pathway out of the dungeon to be uncomfortable and somewhat treacherous. And are we willing to follow the Savior when freedom becomes difficult? We can't do that apart from the Spirit of God. Are you with me? See, I lack the capacity within myself to save myself. So then why am I still trying to rely upon myself for freedom at times? Nobody can identify, right? I'm simply speaking to the man in the mirror. You know, I do that a lot. You see... Our slavery was the consequences of our own behavior. God turned us over to the implications of our own sinful choices. It says this in Romans 1 and 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. Why? Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's idolatry. You see... Jesus says that the time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. How are we to worship in spirit and in truth? Not according to the flesh and not according to deception. In spirit and in truth. We have to be led by the Spirit to make the moral choices that are consistent with the character of Jesus, obeying the will of God and dying to self. It says, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. 
And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Wow. This doesn't sound like good news. Well, this is describing the problem. Listen to how Jeremiah puts the problem to the people of Israel in his day. If you say in your heart, why have these things happened to me? I don't know how many times I've said that in my life, though. I wish I had a dollar. For every time I said that, why is this happening to me? He says, because of the magnitude of your iniquity. Your skirts have been removed and your heels have been exposed. Ooh. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then you also can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Wow. So I have no more of a chance to change my evil ways than the Ethiopian has to change his skin or the leopard his spots. Are you with me? That's how powerless I am to redeem myself. I need a redeemer. And if I recognize that, then I am stuck, left to my own devices, preparing myself in this dungeon that I have created to die there alone. And yet, in spite of the filth and the ugliness and the disgust that exists in the dungeon that I myself have manufactured, there is this God who created me for noble purposes, and even though I spit on him, he loves me. And he says, I want to release you. Come with me. Come follow me. Now the Bible tells us that the way out of our prisons is through faith and repentance. Do we know what faith means? Faith is not simply an intellectual assent to a set of doctrines, correct? The word literally translates to entrust oneself upon. The Greek word pistis. So we entrust ourselves upon Christ. We place our eternal destiny and the welfare of our soul in the hands of Jesus, knowing that by the power of the Holy Spirit and as our advocate and intercessor, he can take us and present us to be blameless and spotless before the Father in heaven. Hallelujah. So we entrust ourselves upon Christ. And biblical faith always includes repentance. Do you know what that word means? The Greek word metanoia. The literal translation is this. To have a mind change. Right? So we, we thought sin was a good idea. We have a mind change. We think sin is a bad idea. That's metanoia. That's wonderful. But you see, in 21st century American culture, Those words, to have a mind change, doesn't really express the gravity of what repentance is, right? Because I could change my mind about, like, which flavored Sunday I want at Carvel after this meeting tonight, which I might be prophesying. (laughs) 
Change my mind. Give me the rocky road. That's not repentance. What is the Shema that we say here every Sunday? Right? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the call. And so the mind change is not passive. And it's not simply intellectual. It involves a determination of the will to epistrepho, to turn around. And we pray for deliverance. And we pray for healing. And we pray for release. And we pray for salvation. And we pray that God would enable us to walk in liberty to experience freedom from captivity, and to do all of the wonderful things that he has prepared for us to walk in. We can pray for that. But how many people know that there's a difference between praying and praying? Let me explain. I can pray, and I can go through the motions, and I could say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I... Thank you for your mercy. God, change me, heal me, deliver me, sanctify me, make me whole. Do a good work in my heart today, God, in Jesus' name. Or I can pray. And I can say, Lord God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for what I have done in my life to offend you. And I am not just upset because of the consequences of evil. I am upset because the evil itself is offensive to you. And I want to be pleasing to the God who redeems me. And so God, let me honor you by giving me the power to receive deliverance, to be saved, to be set free. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit so that I can worship you in spirit and in truth and be delivered from all of the different obstacles and encumbrances and snares and temptations that I find myself confronted with on a consistent basis. I want to be holy not because it's good for me, but because it's an expression of honor to you. I want to be holy not just because it makes my life a little easier. I want to be holy because I recognize that I've been created for you and by you and for your purposes, and I'm here to worship. It's like all of the songs that we sung tonight, I had nothing to do with picking them out. But if I got to pick them out, I would have picked those songs. We center our lives in you. He's the center of the universe. Yes, amen. And I have to decide then, change my mind, I am not the center of the universe. I am not the axis upon which the cosmos finds its rotation. Are you with me? And therefore, the will of God is more important than how I feel, what I think, or what my agenda is. And the truly blessed life is discovering real life in the context of his purposes and plans for me. 
And so when I repent and when I pray for God to change me, am I doing it from the guts, from the bowels? When I walk away from my prayer time, do I feel exhausted as if my life was just poured out as a drink offering? Or do I feel like I can now, oh great, now I'm finished with prayer, it's time to run 10 miles. When I read the scripture and I, do I walk away knowing that in reading the scripture I was giving myself to God? Walk away knowing that, that I made an offering. That I wasn't just trying to learn about the Bible. That I was trying to offer myself to the living God who created me for his purposes. You know, we call this service crave, right? A crave is a good thing. I crave God, so I'm here to crave God with you all. And do you know why I have such a profound craving for God? It's because oftentimes I don't crave him enough. And I really believe that if we crave God every single day, and we say, you are the center, and I'm here for your purposes, and I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth, and follow where you lead me, regardless of the discomfort or personal cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Coming to crave would be superfluous. This would just be another thing we do as we continue to follow the will of God. But here's the problem, right? We've conditioned ourselves to travel down particular roads, haven't we? And those roads are not always so easy to get off. And we need a Holy Spirit kickstart. Are you with me? Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and activate his power in a special way in order to kickstart our intention to a new level of obedience. That's what I'm praying for. And God put this word on my heart because I believe that God, he wants to give us a Holy Spirit kickstart. He wants to activate new power in our lives so that we can walk out of here transformed with the capacity and the integrity to do something in our lives that we've been struggling with differently. For his glory and for our freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now, this is crave, right? We're craving God together. And this is a holy place. And we are going to pray for all you who would like to come up and be anointed with oil and receive prayer in the name of Jesus. So um, I'm going to get the oil stock. And Father, I don't know if you have any other words you would like to share for people online. Thank you.